0: Good morning. Thanks for being here today. You know, uh, this is kind of a season of giving, and it's, it's interesting as you process that because, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of emotional appeals right now for giving. And, and as a follower of Christ, we, we don't... Um, there, there's emotion in our giving, but, but there's also uh, discipline in our giving. Giving's a lifestyle for us. And, and I'm thankful for our church. Oh, my goodness. When I look at what God's done in the life of our church this year, let's just think about what God's done in our church this year. I mean, Passion Week, um, going back la- last year, last Easter, to see that whole experience through Passion Week, and then, you know, a Christmas carol that was super uh, incredible the last couple weekends, and, and um, or last weekend, or a couple weekends ago, maybe. Um, Tonight, at Paul Pierfoy, my father-in-law, has been working his tail off on this, uh, on what our corral's doing tonight at 5. And, and I think about just, um, you know something that, that, that God has used our church to do this last year? You know we've had th- three really big funerals in our community of police officers? Two police officers, a fireman, and an EMSA leader. Um, and our church was, there were helicopters and fire trucks and police officers, and, and, and it was because we've got this place to serve our community like that. I love that because we've been a part of sharing the gospel with, that's our job is to share the gospel with this community. And when I think about our, like our church, over 160 people joined our church this last year. That's incredible. 76 of them by baptism. How cool is that? When I think about um, uh, just our preschool ministry, you know that this week, King's kids, we, we have King's kids here. Every, every, I mean, I don't know, they're here a lot. Three days, two days a week, I should know that, right? Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, is there another day? Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Sorry, I'm just the pastor here. Um, But, um, but we had a program this week, and it was just two programs. Just people were all over this place. It was incredible. I look at how Susan is used by the Lord in in our preschool ministry and then our children's ministry. Last Sunday night, you know what? You know what Amber Hudler did? We had a birthday party, a spiritual birthday party for every child that got saved this year. It was so very cool to have this birthday party for all these little kids and that have been saved. And then the, our children got up and shared their testimony. So I don't know if you uh, embraced the challenge last week, because I said share the gospel with somebody, uh, share your testimony with somebody. Our kids did it that night. Stood up in front of the room and shared their testimony when they got saved. It was so very cool. Then I look at Andrew with our student ministry, watching our students seek the Lord, and and oh my goodness, God has just been at work from from the crib to senior adult. Uh, God's just at work in our church, and um, I'm thankful. Um, It's it's why, without apology, my family we we give passionately to our church, and. Can I tell you what happened yesterday? Yesterday, as the orchestra was preparing for tonight, I heard them playing, practicing for tonight, and then um, Matt was painting over there on Saturday and trying to get this building looking better, And, and, um, and I went in there with about 12 people. There's a family that... They didn't have a church home and uh, they live close to our Tulsa campus and we got connected to them like we, we always have our gospel feelers out and we got connected to them and, and I preached a funeral of a little stillborn baby yesterday. This baby lived up until two weeks ago, seven pounds when she was born and she, the cord wrapped around her neck. It was just a tragic moment. And because we give, Susan and I were able to go in there and share the gospel with those. Yeah, it was 12 people. But can I tell you that is so very important. Thank you for voting on our budget. Our budget was just voted on for 2023, and it passed by 96%. Thank you. And, and I'll tell you what, that is, I look at what has happened this week in the life of our church, and that's, that's, why, I, that's why we, with, with joy, give to kingdom things. It's fine to give to dog shelters, like I see on the news, or like TV or something. Give to the kingdom. And, and I love being a part of this church. So I, Tuesday night, uh, we, I asked our deacons something and I want to ask you. You know, there's there's wisdom in in just honoring the Lord with all that he's given to us. There's wisdom in just following what the Bible says. So here's what I want to ask you to do. As you think about giving and keeping the calling and the commitment that we just voted on as a church, I want to challenge you to pray about how God would use you to give all next year. I want you to pray about it. I want you to pray about giving to, I want you to pray first of all about what God would use you to give to our budget and to next steps. And then I want to ask you to take another step. I want you to pledge. I asked our deacons on Tuesday night to pledge. And and I want to, on our website, on our app, if you have your online giving and I think that's a really great way to, to give, I know it's just a great way to do it. People are more disciplined when you give online. Do you know that? Something we found found out. It's, 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 uh, it's a good way to give. Not the only way, but it's a good way. I want you to think about it. But online you can make a pledge and you can track it throughout the year. And I'll tell you what, it's really cool to see. I mean, we, we sat down with our family and go, look what we were able to give last year. And that's a cool thing to be able to see. I want to challenge you to pray. And I want to challenge you to pledge. So would you join us in that? My wife and I did. My family did. So I want to challenge you to look at that. Now, we're in Hebrews chapter 1. Turn there. Now, Hebrews chapter 1 is this, this Christmas season. We've been digging into this concept of Christ as prophet, as priest, and as king. And Hebrews 1 is beefy. It, You've got to chew on it a little bit, and I want you to stand, and we're going to today look at Jesus as the king. Stand with me, and let's look at Hebrews chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 14. And let's, let's chew on this for a second. It says this, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, Today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. Again, when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, and let all God's angels worship him. And about the angels, he says, this is so very cool, catch this. He makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. But to the sun, your throne, God is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, has anointed you with oil, the oil of joy, beyond your companions. And in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like clothing, but you will roll them up like a cloak, and they will be changed like clothing. But you are the same, and your years will never end. Now, to which of the angels has he ever said, "said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool"? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? And this is the word of the Lord. Praise Thank you. you. May be seated now. Okay. I just want—I just want to confess to you—it's so very hard to get up and preach when my heart is like full. And my, um, I'm, I'm, I've got so much conviction, and I got like 30 minutes to do it. Okay, and you might think, well, you've never preached in 30 minutes in your life, and you'd probably be right. But, but when you think about the Christmas story, think. So you're gonna have to hustle with me because I'm gonna hustle. And so let's let's zone in for a second because you remember the Christmas story. One of the biggest, the coolest parts of it are the Magi. Remember the Magi? They're the. They're, they're, we sing the song "We Three Kings" of Orient are all that. I, I don't really think they were kings. I think they were magi. Matthew calls them magi. Um, and you know, Jesus was. They, they didn't show up like at the birth. Okay, Jesus was a little bit older. Remember, Herod uh, was was sent that edict out to kill children two or younger. It's likely Jesus could have been two years old when the magi showed up. But but it's interesting as as. as there's, there's a lot of debate about these guys. We don't know a ton about them, but we know they showed up, and, and and they were looking for the star, right? And there's a lot of debate on what that star was. Was the star a a, a comet? Some people thought, ah, oh, maybe it was a as a comet, or or maybe it was a uh, some kind of planetary like alignment. Uh, some thought maybe it was a nova or a supernova or something like that. Um, but but here's what I think. Here's what I think that. The the Magi. Here's what they were. They were these guys that were astrologers. Probably they were they were um, they were scholars. They were they were wise men. The Bible says. So so it's interesting. Is they were uh, they they saw a star. You know what I think they saw. I don't think it was a comet. I don't think it was a supernova. Remember when the shepherds were with out in the field. They were keeping watch over the, the flocks by night, and, and what's what, what shown around them? Remember? The glory of God. It was the glory of God that shone. And I think those magi were, were always paying attention to the stars. Now, be careful because, uh, you know, don't go start looking at your horoscopes and stuff like that because, you know, um, these guys were looking at the stars and things. But, but do you know what the stars tell you? You don't have to go look for the stars for answers. Here's what the stars tell you. The stars tell you that God is really big and he made it all and you ought to worship him. That's what the stars tell you. Now, 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 the Magi were looking in the sky, and they were like, I, I think they saw the glory of God. And they were like, let's go, boys. We got to go find that. And they took off. Now, they didn't take a plane. You know, they didn't take a bus. or a or they, they got their entourage, and they walked. Okay, so it took them a minute, right? Uh, they didn't just automatically uh, get there the next day. And so they, they, they walk, and, and you, know, you know the story. The Magi, what they did is they, they think, well, everybody's looking for the Messiah, so they go to Herod. Remember? They go to Herod and say, hey, where's the king that was born? We know there's a king supposed to be born. And Herod's like, a king? Huh? He's like, I want to be the king. That's what Herod, Herod was a punk, man. He was a gross punk. Best way to describe Herod. And... And Herod was like, he, so what Herod did after the Magi showed up, they were like, he got the Jewish scholars and goes, hey, wh- okay, there, I know there was that star thing. When did that happen? And Herod asked him to tell him when it showed up. And then he, then he said, uh, what does the prophet say about that? Matthew 2, verse f- uh, 5 and 6 says this. They told them in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by a prophet and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So these these, prophets, these Jewish prophets were, were like, yeah, that's what it says, Herod. Now, now what's interesting about the Magi, they were Gentiles. That's so very big when you study the Bible. Uh, That's like probably 99% of us in the room. I don't know if there's any Jewish folks in the room, but 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 the Magi were Gentiles. And what's very interesting is the Magi were seeking the Lord. And, and a lot of people think, well, where did they come from? A lot of scholars think that they, they came from the, the area where the Queen of Sheba was. You remember the Queen of Sheba? She's that queen that went to visit Solomon. And I think what she was so fascinated when she's like, i got to meet Solomon. And, and so she brings her little, all her posse all the way to, to meet with uh, Solomon. And she's like, oh, my goodness, This is amazing. Uh, The queen of Sheba learned about what the prophets had said. And she learned about what the priest had said. And she came and said, I want to meet the king of Israel. I think that the Queen of Sheba understood there's something sticky about all this, this the children of Israel. There's something significant there. And, and a lot of the Magi, a lot of people, a lot of scholars think that they were kind of from her area. So the stories of, the, of Israel and the prophets and, and the priests and the kings, they, they came from since that time. That was a long time ago. I think it's interesting as the... Uh, the magi, they see the glory of God. And they're like, let's go. So they travel. And you know what they brought? They brought gifts fit for a king. Ah, oh, it's so very important. Now, now look at verse, verse 5. Look back at Hebrews 1 because this, this really shows the hand here. It's really interesting. Verse 5 says, For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son. Today I've become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. Again, look at this. He will bring his firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels worship him. So, so, so in angel, like there's so many interesting things here. One is, is God reveals his hand that there's a spiritual reality of life. Don't miss that. Folks, there is a reality to angels in the spiritual world. And and I pray that you don't just live for the physical. You don't just live for this world. And and I pray that we are are a people that have our eye on on the next world. We have our eye on the kingdom of God. Because the Bible all throughout points to a spiritual reality of life. There is a spiritual battle and there are spiritual beings. Now, we live in this sophisticated America, like, oh, well, we're like fancy. We have sophisticated things. No, there's a spiritual reality. And, And when in angel world, there's no question about who they worship. Interesting, like, think about it. Every time an angel shows up, what do people want to do? They want to worship the angel. And every angel says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. We worship God. And right here, Hebrews says... All God's angels worship him. And about the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds. Now, we know wind in Oklahoma, right? Uh, the angels are like winds. And when we can feel the wind hit our face. I, I'm, I'm hearing it's going to be colder this week. And there's going to be some cold wind our way. And, and you're going to notice it. And, and so you notice the angels. But look at this. And his servants, a fiery flame. That's so very cool because who are we as the church, as servants of God? We're the light of the world, like a city set on a hill can't be hidden. So because we are followers of Jesus, because we are followers of the God of all creation, it's evident in the way we live our lives. It's evident in the way we discipline our lives, the way we work together, the way we love one another, the way we're patient with one another. And this is something that is just evidence of our faith. We are like a fiery flame. That's cool. Now, let, let's, let's real quick, and I gotta hustle today because I haven't even got to my points yet, right? And uh, so, write fast. But point number one is this, that this is why the angels worship Jesus. And this is why we should worship Jesus, because Jesus is God in the flesh. Think about that. Jesus is God in the flesh, folks. And, and, and what you see in Hebrews 1 is you see what this God in the flesh looks like. Uh, um, and let me just draw a picture of what God in the flesh looks like. And you're going to have to write this down because I don't have time to unpack everything. But, 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 but one of the things you see in the scriptures, and you see it evidence right here, that Jesus is the ruler of every spiritual being. Every spiritual being knows that Jesus is the ruler. You see this all through the scriptures, like in Matthew 4, that's the moment that Jesus was tempted by Satan himself. Now, you got to understand about Satan, he's one being. He's not omniscient, he's not omnipresent. Satan is in one place at one time. He is limited. Now, he has a network, Ephesians 6 talks about his network, But, but I bet Satan himself has never messed with Chris Wall. There's probably bigger fish in the world than me that he's messing with, but... But let me tell you, he has a network and it's, it's vast. But Jesus is the ruler of that network. Matthew 4 is such a, an incredible point in Scripture because um, Jesus was tempted by the big dog himself. Satan himself comes to tempt Jesus. And, and Jesus just like, just body slammed him. And it was so very cool because remember that time, if you, if you look at the text, it says that Satan was tempting Jesus using the word of God. And in the temptation, Jesus has a, has a pattern. I think the pattern is just studly because Satan's tempting him. And, and I, I picture it like this. I picture Jesus going, what'd you say? Because notice what Jesus says in Matthew 4. He says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. I see Jesus in that moment like, going like this and Satan going, ooh, 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 hey, ooh. Because the Bible says Satan left him right after that. You know what that, that's a translation of? He ran. He got out of there. You, you see that the this, this spiritual world knows Jesus. Um, Acts 19, super cool passage, one of my favorite passages. Um, when the seven sons of Sceva are being tempted, or, 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 uh, or tried to cast out a demon, and the demon spoke to him, spoke to those seven boys. You remember what that demon said? He said in Acts 19, Jesus I know, and I've heard about Paul, but who are you? And then the demon beat all those boys up. They ran out naked and bleeding. I hope we get to see the video in heaven. But, but you know what? Every spiritual being worships Jesus. We should too. That's who came that day. Second thing about God, you see that Jesus is a triune king. Now this is like poof, in your mind. He's the Trinity. You see this over and over again in this passage because he, he says um, it points to the Trinity right here in Hebrews 1 because it points to Jesus as God. Now you see this all through the Scripture. This is a revelation of God. It's one of the reasons why we worship him and I can't explain it to you. I can't explain the Trinity to you but you see in Genesis chapter 1 or 2 that he in the creation... It says, or Genesis 1, 26 and 27, excuse me. It says in the creation, let us make man in our image. From the very beginning, you see that Jesus is Trinity, that he existed before the universe began, before time began, Jesus existed. And he's a triune king. And this is where Mormons get it wrong. Mormon theology is wrong. And that's why they're nice people, And there's a lot of them around us. But their thought theology is wrong because they think Jesus was once a man, God, and he was in the flesh, but he existed before then. Because one of the things you see in the Bible about Jesus, you not only see a triune king, you see him as an eternal king. Jesus is an eternal king. That's who he is. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And and let's, let's just wrap our head around the fact that Jesus is eternal. He didn't begin to exist when he came into the earth. He existed before that. Another thing, Jesus is a humble king. Man, this is fascinating. Uh, The only best way I can describe this is Philippians 2. It says this, your attitude, let's just let this sit on us for a minute. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, notice that, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What you see all through scripture is that Jesus is a king. The angels worshiped him and we must too. Oh, don't don't miss the worship of the king It came into the world. Now point two is this, and let's dig into the Hebrews one. Jesus is the only king worthy of your worship. Don't substitute worship. Don't substitute him with something else, something you make. Don't substitute your worship with your life, your work, your family, yourself. So often we have we put gods in front of the king, but not us. No, we can't, because Jesus is the only one worthy of our worship. Worship no one else, nothing else but Jesus. We see this. Look at verse 8 in Hebrews 1. He says, but to the Son. Notice this, notice this about, about why we worship him. To the Son, your throne, God. Notice this. You see the trinity right there, your throne God is forever and ever and the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice it says you see that Jesus is eternal his kingdom is eternal you know what else you see you see that his actions are completely just the actions of Jesus are completely just he is right in what he does and 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 when you really think of the implications of that that is hard to say and, and and fascinating to contemplate that everything God does is completely just, even judgment, even forgiveness. And, and you see, notice this, your kingdom is a scepter of justice. One day we will stand before the Lord and we will see all that God done and has done and we will say, God, you are right in all you do. Because his, king, his actions are completely Just. Notice where verse 9, it goes on and it says, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. It says about Jesus, he loves righteousness. He hates lawlessness. You know what I see here? Is that he has complete knowledge of every action. There's nothing we can do to hide from God. He sees everything we do. He sees all we are. And I'm fascinated in my own life how sometimes I think, well, I'm just gonna do that and God won't see that. And when you think about his kingdom, he loves righteousness. He hates lawlessness. This is why, look at verse nine. This is why God Again, you see the Trinity, who Jesus is, God, your God. You know, this is Hebrews. It's written to the Jews. It's written to the Jews to say, well, I don't want you to miss Jesus because what's interesting about, like, think about the Magi. They came, these Gentiles came looking for the king and, and came with gifts for the king. And it was the scribes, the Jewish scribes, that should have been looking for the king. But they weren't. They were the ones who knew what the prophet said. They had studied what the prophet said. And, and they weren't even looking. Now, some were Somewhere you see this as some were were paying attention to the the signs they were expecting the Messiah. But these scribes that Herod consulted. You know what, you know, before I start throwing rocks at them, because part of me wants to go, you knotheads, what are you doing? I think sometimes we do the same thing. We miss God. At work in front of us, and it's fascinating to me that these Gentiles that were—they were seeking God better than the Jews. And I, I think it's they know better. But but notice verse nine: You have loved righteousness, hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, look at this, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. Now let's think about this, that, that it's, it's God's plan, that his plan is the only path to joy for you, for me. You know, it's interesting that, that, that Jesus, that the writer of Hebrews points to Jesus and says, um, he's anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. You know, it's, inter- it's very important to, contemplate and think about because let's think about the burden burden of sin. Sin is wearisome. This is why Jesus said when he was um, in John 10.10, the thief comes but to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And so it's following the plan of God. It's it's living in the discipline of God. It's it's recognizing the plan of God is better than my plan. Because it's in God's plan that, that, look, he anoints us with the oil of joy beyond the lost, beyond our companions, beyond those around us. I want to live in the will of God. I want to follow the plan of God, not only in my giving, but let's think about this. Um, Saturday, we're going to have four candlelight services here, four services. And I've had a a pretty good question. Say, Chris, well, do we just cancel Sunday? Golly, we've been at church all day on Saturday. Why come to church on Sunday too. We've just been here. We're finishing Sunday morning. Doesn't that count? Because we end uh, my favorite service at candlelight, which is the 11 o'clock service. We end at midnight. That's Sunday, Right? That's a good good question but but let's not miss this year Christmas is on a Sunday. We have learned the, the rhythm of the Lord's day. We come on the Lord's day and guess what we get to come on Christmas day. You know we're going to have one service at 11. You ought to it's going to be terribly exciting cuz we're not having to childcare so all of our babies are going to be here. It's going to be loud and awesome mess. I'd say that respectfully. I can't wait. But, but here's the point. The, the plan of God is the best plan. And that's why we go, oh wait, it's the Lord's day. That's the rhythm for us. We got a good picture today of when something's out of rhythm or out of tune. I don't know if you saw it but Joe and Sean started in different keys. That's called a let's not keep going, right? Good job. That's called wisdom right there. They stopped and said let's get on the right key because that's better. Recognize God's plan for you it brings you joy. Brings you life and I don't want you to miss it. Um a lot to contemplate, but let's go, go on. Look at verse 10. And in the beginning, Lord, again, you see the Trinity at, way, at play. You see, you see the writer of Hebrews pointing to all these Jewish audiences, which was the original audience, that, hey, this is the Lord. This is the one you were looking at, looking for. And in the beginning, Lord, what has he done? You established the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. Notice verse 11. Oh, this is so very important. Okay, I, I I'm not gonna t- I'm not gonna repeat what I said in the first service because I got in trouble and I, I I said something I shouldn't have said and because um, I was passionate. But I, I, I um uh, I was in a at my wife's graduation Friday night. My wife wife graduated with her masters from OU. And there was a professor with a whole bunch of letters after his name that said the stinking dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I thought, that's, that's, that's just stinking stupid. And I used another word in the first service. I didn't cuss or anything, but, but I'm going to clean it up. I'm sitting there going, what an, what an idiot. You know what he said? The universe has a plan for you. No, it doesn't. <laughs> the Bible says the universe is going to be destroyed. If that's the train you're on, get off that train. I'm serious. Because that's a train that's, there's probably a country song, A Train to Nowhere, some, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like a country song. I don't know. But look at this. It says, at the beginning, Lord, you established the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like clothing. You will roll them up like a cloak, and they will be changed like clothing. But you are the same, and your years will never end. Folks, that's the train you're on. You need to be on. That's why we worship Jesus. That's why we recognize it was the king that came into the world that day. It was the king of all kings, and and the angels got it. And the angels showed up at the shepherd and said, Hey, uh, look, there's a. you need to go there. You need to go see that because that's going to change your life, and that's going to change the world. And that's why when the magi come, they came, and they saw the glory of God, and the magi brought gifts for a king. And the magi get on their knees and were like, There he is, and they bring these gifts and worshiped him. And they brought gifts for a king, worthy of a king. And you know what? Oh, my goodness. I want to live every day of my life giving gifts to the Lord worthy of a king. I want to spend every day of my life focused on building the kingdom of God. Not following the universe, but following the maker of the universe. When you look at this, he's you think about who came into the world that day. Why every spiritual being, whether it's a servant of God or one of those fallen angels that that, uh, that'll be an interesting story to trace in heaven. How those angels fell. Every spiritual being worships Jesus and gives worth to him. Now, some of those angels have blown it. And it's a, it was costly, eternally costly for those angels. Oh, but can I tell you, some people blow it. And here's what I want us to see about this king. It's Jesus He provides the only eternal rescue. Don't miss that about this king. There's no salvation anywhere else, folks. There's no other gods. There's no other... You realize that there's other religions, but there's only one God. Every other deity is an imposter. It's not like Muhammad is is just another god. No, that's man-made. It's an imposter. It's just cloaked by Satan. Well, let's not, rec- let's not acknowledge, think that there's other gods in the world. There's one God. The Bible's clear on this. And then Satan is a liar. And the Bible exposes him. And that's why we are called here. And I love this part of Hebrews 1. that says we are a fiery Flame and joe you 're going to have to come up because I just got to stop preaching here right now but 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 we get to be a fiery flame i 'll tell you what um, the world needs a fiery flame. You know what God has done? God came, and he lives in us and And like me today, today, golly, I woke up and I'm trying to look at this passage and think about all the implications. And I was like, Lord, my heart is so full right now. And there's so much here. I don't know how I can do it in 30 minutes. I don't know how I can do it. My heart was so convicted this morning. Oh, my God, I can't do it. So I didn't. I did it in 44. But you know what? We serve the king of all kings. And that's why tonight at five o'clock, we're gonna come and, and use the, do the best we got to sing about our king, that he came. That's why on Saturday, we're, we're, we're not gathering one time. You can just come once, that's fine. You don't have to come all four but, but, but we're, we're, we're having four Saturday. services Saturday this is why uh, Christmas day we're going to gather together and, and come and we're just doing it once at 11 get here early people have to sit in the front row Sunday Hey, I like it hey, come here give me five right there front row oh, I won't do that I got to go. do great job Folks, here's our invitation. And, I, and this has just been something on my heart as I've wrestled with Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. And the mission challenge is this. What's your posture? I, I like that concept, your posture. I'm not talking about just standing up straight. You know, there are times that my kids, as they, as they, as I raised them, I would look at their posture and be able to tell, are you, are you listening to me? And so I want to ask you a question. What's your posture to Jesus as the king? I got to ask you, is he Lord of your life? is he Lord of your life? Is he the focus of your life? If not, what adjustments should you make to Jesus as the King? Folks who entered the world that day was the King, the King of all kings, the Lord of all Lords. I don't miss him. Here's our invitation today. I'm not going to ask you to um, stand. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stay seated. And Joe and Shay are going to sing. Joe and Meredith. Shay was in the first place. Sorry. They're going to sing this song. You know what? I don't want you to stand and sing it. I want you to sit and listen. And then I want you to align your life, align your posture. That Jesus is King. Now, if you're here today and you need to be saved, you ask any one of us that are members of this church. We will stop what we are doing and we'll help you come to Jesus. Let us.